We had mentioned this morning over and over again in some of the statements that we made that there's a cause, there's a cause. And I wanna kinda say a few more words about that because there's a reason why God does what he does. Sometimes our difficulty in the Christian life is believing that all the things that happens to us, there's a reason for it. And sometimes we know that we think to ourselves, there's gotta be a reason for this because this just can't happen. There has to be something behind this. And sometimes you'll draw closer to the Lord because you want to know and you want God to reveal some things to you. There's going to be a lot of hard things in life that you'll go through. Uh, the only thing that I'm glad of is that uh, I don't probably have as far to go as I've already come. Some of y'all may have as far to go as you've already come. Some of you may have further to go than you have come. Don't that make sense? I don't believe that I'll probably make it past 100. Now, there's a possibility. So, you know, I've already done live most of my life. 70 years, is, you know, I done already got that. If there's 80, says then there's heartache and sorrow, but still we fly away. So one of these days, I'll fly away. And you will too. We're all going to fly away. But understanding that there's a, a cause that we're supposed to lose ourselves in, but finding the right one. Isn't it true that living in America, there's so many things to do. There's so many things to be. So many places to go. The other day I was looking at the map of the world, and I thought, now, I've been to Israel six times, Egypt a couple times, India a couple times, Trinidad a couple times, Mexico a number of times. Of course, Alaska and Hawaii, all over the United States. But then I looked at the map and I said, I haven't been nowhere. You realize how big this world is and how many countries there are and how many people there are in this world. And how many things that you'd like to see and do and we'll never live long enough. If we're gonna be here a thousand years, you could just take your time and just travel the whole world, get to everything. But life isn't long enough. And so by the time we're old enough to figure out what we're doing or have enough money, we're too old to do anything. Have you noticed that? Oh, yeah. You, you have, you noticed that. <laughs> so you think, man, I wish I, what I know now, I, I wish I'd have known that when I was a teenager. Then I'd have been smart. I wouldn't have made all those mistakes that I made. Could have made so many better decisions, but we only get one trip through life. No reruns, no instant replays, just one trip through. And sometimes we kind of mess up here and there. But I'm glad that God is a God of forgiveness and a God of second chance, third chance, fourth chance, fifth chance. So God has been good to us. I want you to just look at the first little statement here about the scripture, Exodus in chapter 9, verse 16. Just look right there in your notes. And in very deed, for this cause, I raise thee up. For to show in thee my power and that my name may be declared throughout all the earth. So God is talking here about a man named Pharaoh and going to raise him up. But how God raised him up was forcing him to make decisions. Now, God knew his heart. But some people just are naturally rebellious to the Lord. And he talks about how that God can change us from one vessel to another. Vessels of honor and vessels of Dishonor. So I want you to take your Bible real quick and look there in the book of Timothy, chapter 2. 
Timothy chapter 2. And look there in uh, verse 19. We're in verse 19 of 2 Timothy chapter 2, page 1280. He says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his. Now, when he talks about in verse 18, overthrowing the faith of some. You're not safe and secure because you kept on believing right. You're safe and secure because God gave his word. God knows who you are. And so he says here, let everyone that nameth the name of Christ, oh my stars, look what that says, depart from iniquity. Now some people would say that means turn from sin, which is about the same thing. So is it God's will that his children turn from sin? Yes. But not to be saved, not to stay saved, because we already have a sure foundation. We already have a seal. God knows his children. But he says it for a reason. He uses the illustration of, in a house, you've got vessels of all kinds. In verse 20, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, some to honor, some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor. So whether you are a vessel of honor or a vessel of dishonor is your choice. Wouldn't you say? Wouldn't you agree with that? If a man purge himself... He can be a vessel of honor. Well, if he doesn't, then he becomes a vessel of dishonor. So whenever you read over there in the book of Romans in chapter 9 about the vessels of honor and the vessels of dishonor, vessels of wrath, vessels of mercy, well, it's because of your choice. Moses made the wrong decisions. Therefore, God is free to use him as a vessel to bestow his wrath upon. And he did so. And if you, as an individual, choose to serve the Lord after you're saved, God will use you as a vessel of honor and bestow His blessings upon and His honor upon. So you see, you're the one that determines what God does when God has limited Himself to your obedience. So God says, what He's going to do with you, a lot depends upon what you do with what He told you to do, your obedience or your disobedience. So there's always a reason. There's a cause behind it. So if you want God's blessings, do what will cause God's blessings. You want rewards in heaven, do what will cause you to get those rewards. If you don't, you're not going to have them, and it'll be because of you not making the right decisions. Take your Bible and look in Matthew in chapter 19. Matthew in chapter 19. I often have people that will ask me questions. They'll call me up on the phone, and they want me to, you know, perform a wedding for them. And I will say, well, when would you like to get married? And they'll say, yeah, tomorrow. And we got a problem. And or they'll say this Saturday or next Saturday or, you know, sometime along that. And I say, well, I usually never marry anybody unless I've canceled them. I'm at least, hmm, maybe three, six months. And I says, and I don't usually do weddings that often. And I says, there's nothing in scriptures, because sometimes they start arguing with me. I said, well, there's nothing in the scripture that says the preacher has to perform a wedding. There's nothing that says I've got to perform a wedding, so it's my choice whether I do or I don't. And so I says, since I don't know everything about everybody, I'd sometimes just rather not do it. So there are only a few people that I marry. 
and that's because I will maybe know a little bit about them. And uh, I also make a flat rule that uh, I don't marry anybody that's ever been married before. I just don't want somebody to have two living husbands or two living wives. And um, I get criticized for that. That's well, I, I, I didn't write the Bible. I just try to go by it. But understand this. Regardless of what I've done, uh, me and Betty ran away and got married. Therefore, everybody ought to run away and get married. No, just because I did it didn't make it right. We did it, but it wasn't right. And I have begrudged it for 55 years that I stole a woman away without her dad and mother freely giving her to me. I should have won them over. And I'm not sure about her mother if I have yet, but you know, it's pretty close. <laughs> She's in heaven now, so I think everything will be all right. But I don't tell people, do like I did, if what I did wasn't right. I'm still supposed to teach what's right, not teach what I did or didn't do. And so when I try to teach what the Bible says, this is what the book says, this is what I go by. So he makes this statement here in uh, verse, uh, verse 3. The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him, and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every what? For every cause, for every reason. And he answered and said unto them, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? And he says, For this cause, for this cause, shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they two shall be one flesh. Wherefore they are no more two, but one. What Therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder, unless he's a judge. <laughs> what, what does it say? No man put us. There's no if ands or buts. I mean, it's just plain. But then they come back. Well, well, what about Moses? Didn't Moses give a bill of divorcement in the Old Testament? Well, yes, he did. Well, why? Well, because of the hardness of their heart. It's kind of like this. Wouldn't it be neat if everybody just did the ideal thing? But we don't always do the ideal thing. Have you ever messed up in your life at all? Ever made wrong decisions? Something you like to do over again, but Sometimes you can't go back and do anything over. So I have a verse in here that I wanted you to look at because I believe that it is so very, very important. And, uh, and that is in the book of Psalms 78. Look in Psalm 78. 78th Psalm. Now we know that when they were taken out of the land of Egypt, crossed the Red Sea into the wilderness, there were times they got thirsty. Hmm. They even went three days without water. I guess I'd have been thirsty too. I'd have thought, you know, I'm going to die one of these days if they don't hurry up and give me some water. And they had to wait on the Lord to give them some food. So he gave them some manna from heaven. And so you'd have thought, well, everything's fine. Now they got all the water. They got all the, the food they can eat. But there was something they wanted beside that. What was it? Hmm? They wanted some meat to eat. So you'll notice what he says here in, uh, let's just start there in verse 25. See the first word? Because they believed not in God and trusted not in his salvation. Though he had commanded the clouds from above and opened the doors of heaven and had rained down manna upon them to eat and had given them of the corn of heaven. Man did eat angels' food 
He sent them meat to the full. He caused, he caused an east wind to blow in the heavens, and by his power he brought in the south wind. He rained flesh also upon them as dust and feathered fowl like as the sand of the sea. And he let it fall in the midst of their camp, round about their habitation. And so they did eat. Now, why were they doing this? Because they wanted some meat to eat. And God said, well, aren't you satisfied with what I'm giving you? Evidently not. We remember the leeks and the onion and the garlic. And you brought us out here in this wilderness, giving us this little crack of bread. And they wanted some meat to eat. Now, was God upset with them? Yeah. But did he permit them to have some meat to eat? It wasn't what God wanted, but God permitted it. You'd be surprised that if you will not go God's way and do what God wants you to do, will God permit you to go contrary to his will? But are there consequences? <laughs> you know there is. So there were consequences to this. So he says here in verse 29, So they did eat and were well filled. Yum, yum. For he gave them their own desire. What does that say? He gave them their own desire. Now some people desire to get married. God doesn't make you get married. And then some people desire to get divorced. And the Bible says in the book of Malachi, God hates divorce. And God will permit people to get divorced. God will permit people to get remarried. But don't think just because he does permit doesn't mean that that's always the best. Even though sometimes we have the right to get married. All these college kids, they all have the right to get married. Now whether they got the wisdom to get married, now that's a different story altogether. Wouldn't you say? Just because they're old enough doesn't mean they're wise enough. Now they'd be me wise, but they can't afford her. But God doesn't force or make us, so we make choices. So if you decide to get married, understand there's more problems than when you were just single. Now you've got to think about the one you married. You've got to meet those needs, and you've got to try to protect and provide and all those things. So it's a responsibility. It's increased. It was one, now there's two of you. And then there could be one little, two little, three little Indians. It could be a whole bunch more. You'd be surprised how problems can be multiplied. I mean, uh, you know, opportunities can be multiplied. But if you're going to do it, understand that. And if you accept those responsibilities, fine, go for it. And if you decide to get divorced, there's going to be consequences that's going to lead to other decisions that you might make. And it may not be the wisest decision, but it can be a decision, and God can permit it, but that doesn't mean it's the wisest or the best. And usually, like he says in the book of Matthew chapter 19, it's uh, because of a hardness of heart. People will not submit and do what God wants them. They don't love each other the way they should, for whatever the reasons. And so I don't always know who's the innocent party. Everybody tells me, well, I'm the innocent party. Well, now, I don't know about that. You may be. That's fine. I says, but regardless, doesn't mean that just because you can, you should. And then when they do, it's, well, there's always somebody else that comes along. So they get remarried. So you can do that, but understand that 
when you marry, you're bringing in not just the person you're married, you're bringing in the people that you were married to into this marriage. You may not think so. I've been doing this a long time. Now you've got additional families that you're bringing because you don't just marry her, you marry her whole family and all of their friends. And you'd be surprised how wonderful it can be or how horrible it can be. But if you are willing for the consequences, that's fine. But some people can't handle the pressure, the problems. And so it doesn't always work out the best. They want it to, they desire it to, but sometimes God will let you have your desires. But sometimes we say, well, it was the Lord's will. It may have been. Only ones that knows that for sure is going to be you and the Lord. I try not to get into it. People are free. You can do whatever you believe God wants you to do. But I'm just saying, there's going to be additional problems that you're going to have. So God says, there's a cause. When you do this, it's going to cause something else. It's cause and effect. It's going to affect some things. And some people cannot handle all the changes, all the pressure. And sometimes there's some people that are blessed that can go through life and not have to get married. And if you can do that, as Paul says, I would that everybody was just like me. Now, whether or not he had to get married to be part of the Sanhedrin and she died, we never know or heard anything more about it. So I don't know. But anyway, look at the next statement. John chapter 12, verse 27. Now, this is a very important scripture, and I want you to turn there to the book of John in chapter 12. John chapter 12. John chapter 12, you notice it says here in verse 27, Now is my soul troubled. Jesus is speaking. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I into this world, or unto this hour. For this cause, this is why I came into this world. For this is why I was born. I was born for this hour. Now, I want you to look up there in the verse 24, where he talks about, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground, and there's that word die. You ought to circle it or underline it. Because he was born that he might die. And he's teaching them something here, an illustration about a grain of corn that dies. Unless it dies, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. And then he says down here in verse 32, and I, if I be lifted up, is also talking about how he was going to die. Because he says there in verse 33, this he said signifying what death he should die. So the death of the corn is talking about his death. And many people being blessed. He says, for this cause I came into the world to die so that there could be a multitude of people that will be blessed because of what I do. Now, whatever it is God wants you to do, and if you do it for His cause, I believe there will be multitudes of people that will be blessed because you were privileged to live in this world. Wouldn't it be a shame for you to live in this world for 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years, and you didn't influence anybody? You didn't influence anybody for the cause of Christ. So you're here, and the power of your life is revealed by the influence that you have in the lives of other people. And you want to do that because that is so very, very important.
Now look there in John chapter 18 and verse 37. Verse 37, John chapter 18. Just turn there a couple pages to your right, and you'll see this. John chapter 18 and verse 37. When Jesus uh, was standing before Pilate, he says, Art thou the king? He said, You said it. He says in verse 37, Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. You ought to underline this statement. Jesus said this. It is so important. It is so powerful. To this end was I born. And for this cause came I into the world. Now he's on the day of his execution. And this is what he has to say. This cause, this day, for this end, for this purpose, was I born. Could you say that I was born for a purpose? I mean, you're saying this to yourself. I was born for a purpose. For this cause, I live. What is your reason for living? If you could put it down in one sentence, my purpose in life is, what is it? What is it? Now, you're going to have to give account, and so will I, when we get to heaven, that's, what was my cause? Because that is what's going to cause my effects in life. Cause and effects. I did this because I knew what my purpose in life was. I did it for the Lord. I did it for reaching souls. I did it for the gospel's sake. I did it for Jesus' sake. But why? There's got to be a reason. And so that's why you and I should sit down and examine ourselves every once in a while to see, am I on course? Am I doing with my life what God wanted me to do with my life? And so he says here in verse 37, to this end was I born. For this cause came I into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Isn't that what we're doing? Isn't that really the purpose of our lives? That's what we're doing. We're bearing witness of the truth. Telling people the truth, we're all sinners. The wages of sin is death. You must be perfect to go to heaven. You cannot earn eternal life. Christ paid for our sins. Came back from the dead. If we would believe, we can go to heaven when we die. Those seven little statements is the truth of the gospel. And I believe it's so important. Look at the next statement there in your notes. Romans 1.26 says, For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. Now you can read that whole chapter, the first chapter of the book of Romans, and it says, For this cause, because you see, they did not want to retain God in their knowledge. They didn't want to think about God, and when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. And they made the Creator like a creature and brought God down to be like nothing more than a man. And so man became God. And so God let him do whatever they want to do. The same thing when a lot of other people's lives. is God can let you do whatever you want to do. You can live any way you want. I can live any way I want. I just chose to live a godly life. You can choose to live a godly life. I'm glad we got the freedom. I got the freedom to mess up my life too. 
And everybody makes choices, decisions. But there's, there's consequences to our decisions. Now, turn to the book of Romans in chapter 15. You're right there. Romans in chapter 15. Romans chapter 15 kind of gives us an idea of what it's like to read and to study the Old Testament because it's for us to, to understand and to learn. For the Old Testament was written aforetime for our learning, for our learning. And you'll see that there in Romans in chapter 15 and verse 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. So we read and study the Old Testament, so we'll see the testimonies of individuals, stories of people's lives, and how they responded to what God wanted them to do. And if they obeyed, what happened? And they didn't obey, what happened? Because there's a reason why God did what He did. And so there's reasons why people do what they do. If you serve the Lord, there will be a cause. And if you don't, there will be a cause. There will be a reason why you don't think it's that important. If you win souls, there'll be a reason. If you don't, there'll be a reason. There's always a reason why we do what we do. So here he says in Romans in chapter 15, and I want you to look down there in verse 9. Look in verse 9. Verse 9 all the way down to verse 12. These three verses. And that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy, as it is written, for this cause... I will confess to thee among the Gentiles, and sing unto thy name. In the Old Testament, the Scriptures kept telling us over and over again how that salvation, yes, is of the Jews, but that the Gentiles are not going to be left out, that the Messiah also died for the Gentiles, and that they can be saved just like anybody else can. And therefore, it says over and over again that in him shall the Gentiles trust. So there's only been one prophet out of Israel that the Gentiles have ever trusted in, and that just happens to be Jesus Christ. So you look what he says here in uh, verse 10. And again, he said, Rejoice, ye Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and laud him, all ye people. And again, Isaiah said, there shall be a root of Jesse, and he that shall rise to reign over the Gentiles. So is the Scripture telling us in the Old Testament that there's going to be somebody from the root of Jesse that's going to rule over the Gentiles? And it's right there. I wonder who it is. It's the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. 